0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host Ashutosh Garg and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished and senior professional from Miami, USA, Mr. David Noble. David, welcome to the show. Thanks Ashutosh, great to be here. Thank you. David is a CEO coach, he's a strategist and he's an author he's been named by Thinkers50 as one of the world's top coaches. He's earlier worked with Tower Brook Capital Partners, Oliver Olivia, Oliver Wyman and uh, A.T. Kearney and Morgan Stanley and RBC. And he's an author, and all of you know, I'm very partial to authors. So he's an mm-hmm. author of a book titled Real-Time Leadership, and we'll talk about his book. So David, before we start talking about coaching, tell me a little bit about your own journey.
1: Oh, sure. Well, thank you. I think um, I've really been blessed with very good karma. So I started my career with a big Canadian bank uh, called RBC. And RBC has a philosophy of uh, with its highest potential people to create general athletes. So over the course of 15 years there, I probably had 12 different jobs and they were remarkably different. Anywhere from being uh, the number two economist in the bank to Mm -hmm leading the world's first digital bank. And that was a wonderful way to kind of see different businesses functions and and geographies. And then I I moved on to Morgan Stanley and I was head of strategy for one of their big businesses and also led their digital properties. And then I did a shift, uh, which was quite, remarkable at the time, uh, I moved into strategy. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who have done this, you know that you should go into strategy first and then go into business. Mm -hmm. Going into business and then strategy is a completely different game. So I learned a lot in that. had a wonderful time in two firms all over the world. And then about 12 years ago, I decided that what really drove me was to develop other people, which i had been doing my whole career. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I would become a coach and do this for a full time living. So Amazing. that's where
0: I've been. It's been great. Amazing. So when you, now you look at uh, your uh, new avatar as a CEO coach, what are some of the common challenges uh, faced by CEOs and top executives that you work with? Sure. Well, I mean, it's I think First,
1: just from a very personal level with um, these people that they're under crushing pressure and accountability that normal humans just actually don't have. So it's uh, just to appreciate that, I think, is, is important. And related to that, CEOs are lonely people. Mm. Um, they are accountable for everything. Uh, everyone wants to uh, be on their agenda or to drive their own agenda through them. So just having someone to talk to, I think mm-hmm. is uh is really important for any for any CEO. Mm-hmm. And then of course you've got you know a vast array of issues that all relate to escalating volatility and uncertainty in the world. So there's just more and more and more coming at all CEOs right.
0: all the time. And they all need right. to handle it. All right. Well said. And when you uh, you know talk to new ceos as compared to more experienced ones how do you tailor your own coaching to approach specific needs of different uh, mm. levels of uh, executives
1: sure well it's it's always based on what the executive's vision is for themselves in mm-hmm. terms of what would a 10 out of 10 look like for me in this new role Uh, Obviously, it's going to depend on the particular experiences and the context that the leader is stepping into. But for first-time CEOs, which I I do a lot of work with first-time CEOs, Mm. it's a really unique situation because they are, by definition, in a job that is bigger in scale and scope than they've ever had before. Mm. And so I I collaborate with a retired four-star U.S. general who talks about, the definition of general is a generalist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, great generals or some not so good generals will focus on stuff that they know. Mm. Other generals will micromanage and second guess. Mm. The greatest generals focus on the things that only they can do. So they really have to understand what are the two or three or four things that are really reserved to me Mm. to really drive the needle and make every moment count. So that's
0: how I coach um, first-time CEOs. Fascinating. One of the other questions that I've often been faced with by CEOs who I speak to is that you know, the pandemic has been Mm -hmm. very, very tough on CEOs. Not only have they had to keep their flock together, but they've also had to deliver in very difficult times. My question to you is how can CEOs balance their own personal lives and mental well being, uh, along with the demands of their professional careers? Yeah, that's a a hugely important
1: thing. I think two big things. One is when I work with CEOs, probably at least 50% of the CEOs that I work with now are really focused on clarifying or refining their personal meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. Because if you understand what your North Star is, um, that's the reason why you get up every day. That's the thing that will sustain you when you're getting the toughest moments. So to be crystal clear, on what matters most to you and why you're doing it. I think that's an important thing. The second thing is that um, many CEOs, surprisingly, are quite selfless. Mm. And so they look at personal well being versus organizational health as a trade off. Mm-hmm. And you have to have both. So it has to be an and situation. So I think you have to look at it as a system. It's not like, one less hour of sleep means so much more value creation for the organization it's more like optimal sleep optimal value creation so it has to be both and that's that's easier said than done because it's really hard to um to change that attitude and realize that you're an important part of a system you are only part of a system but you're a crucial part of the system you have to respect yourself as well as much as you do your organization
0: And you know, uh, David, there's been a lot of discussion in the last few years on the whole concept of emotional intelligence and the emotional quotient for leaders and CEOs. I'd love to get your thoughts and perspectives Mm -hmm. on how important is uh, emotional intelligence?
1: Sure. Well, um, so it's crucial. And my co author, Carol Kaufman, who is a professor at Harvard Medical School, Mm -hmm. and I write about what we call three dimensional leadership. So we all know one or two dimensional leaders, leaders that are focused on results, but run our heart on their people or wonderful servant leaders that really wanna unlock potential in others, but that they find it hard to have boundaries to Mm. hold them accountable. Mm. So for us, it's about three-dimensional leadership. So first is the external dimensions, Mm. being crystal clear on what you need to get done. Mm. But then secondly, and this is where the emotional potion comes in, is the inner dimension. So who do you want to be as a human Mm -hmm. while you're leading? Do you want to have perspective? Do you want to be able to read the room? Do you want to be patient? Do you want to be listening? Mm -hmm. And then the third dimension is once you know what you want to get done and who you want to be as a person while you're doing it, is the interpersonal dimension, which is how do I achieve results through others and accomplish goals together? Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to be really agile Mm -hmm. around understanding people and the emotional intelligence there is, it's not about the golden rule. It's not about treating people the way I wanna be treated. Mm -hmm. It's about the platinum rule. It's about treating people the way they want and need to be treated, which may
0: be different than how you would operate. Mm -hmm. Thank you, great response. My next question is that, you know, how do you as a coach support CEOs and leaders navigate difficult solutions, such as, you know, leading through a crisis, uh, or handling a conflict? What is the process you follow?
1: Sure. Well, the, the whole notion of real time leadership is how do, you, um, how do you make the most of every moment? Mm-hmm. Because change happens in the now, it doesn't change and it happened in the past, it doesn't right. happen in the future. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? And most leaders try to make the most of every moment by relying on deep pattern recognition that they've created over years of experience. So when they see A happen and then they see B happen, they kind of instinctively know that C is the right answer. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you start to apply that kind of reflexive playbook to new types of crisis or new types of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's all about How do you create that space? Viktor Frankl talked about uh, a space between stimulus and response, and in that space lies your freedom. So for us, it's about how do you create that space so that you can choose what Mm -hmm. the right response is, Mm -hmm. and then how do you step into the moment with peak performance? And we have developed a framework and a model around Mm -hmm. how to do that with peak
0: performance. Interesting. Uh, the next few questions are uh, more about you and um, you being a coach. Given your own background of having come from the corporate world. My question is, how has your background supported your coaching philosophy, your style mm-hmm. and your values? You no, know, that's a great question,
1: Ashutosh. I think um, mm-hmm you know, we all like to think that we're differentiated. (laughs) So I'll just tell you what (laughs) I think my differentiation is. So um, for a long time, I was operating in the shoes as a senior leader myself. So Mm -hmm. I've got operating experience and I have an appreciation for that. I use that to help inform my coaching. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm directive about what I think the right answer is for Mm -hmm. someone. The second area is that I ought, I have a strategic lens that I put on anything. So I will never know your business as a CEO the way you know your business, Correct. but I will have a deep appreciation for the strategic underpinnings of that. Mm-hmm. And then the last is from a leadership perspective, you know, I'm a, I'm a great student of um, frameworks and behavioral science and neuroscience and strengths-based positive psychology and all those things. And that kind of what is called technical eclecticism Uh, really helps me to inform my coaching, because a lot of coaches have, you know, there's one way to do it. So, oh, Ashutosh, it's all about being mindful, or it's about managing your energy, or it's about becoming a better listener. It's it's all of those things and many, many more. So I bring to the table, a whole set of
0: frameworks, and I use what resonates most with my client to help drive the change that they want. Mm -hmm. Interesting. My next question to you is that, you know, most of us in our lives, um do have people who have had some kinds of influence on us. And my question to you is how have you been shaped by people in your life and how have they influenced you as a coach?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I there's been a number of people and I've really benefited from having um wonderful role models and mentors mm. in my life. The common theme that runs through that is that um, they've all been quite selfless mm-hmm. generous, and they've always had my back and believed in me. And what I try and do, just like what you're doing with this podcast and kind of paying it forward is I try and pay it forward with that. So, you know, the earliest time was as a young banker, I was uh, at the time I was a subject matter expert. So mm-hmm. I was one of the top economists Um in my organization and I moved into banking and when I did that I became an apprentice mm-hmm. and so I was assigned with the top banker in the country mm-hmm. and I just was perplexed at why he would spend so much time with me mm-hmm. and he was like, doing massive deals um, with Canary Wharf for example at the time in London mm-hmm. and so I said why, why are you spending this time with me and he just said it's the right thing to do you're the future mm-hmm. and I'm going to support you and that just off in my head, and that was really a moment where where I changed to be much more about how do I develop others, how do I achieve things um, through others, and achieve goals together. And that's you know I've had
0: three or four people of those kind of moments in my life, but they've all been similar lessons. Fascinating. So I have two more questions for you on coaching, and then I want to move to your book. Um, sure. My next question is about culture, uh, David, and you know you live in one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world, which is the US, every culture is available there. And when I say culture, it could be culture of organizations, it could be culture of societies, mm-hmm. it could be the culture of human beings that each one of us grows up in, in our families. When you work with an individual as a coach, how do you factor in the impact of culture? Sure, that's
1: a that's a great question. So it's always a dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rarely the most, the singular dimension that you would work on or the, the highest priority. I think where it shows up, whether it's organizationally or um, societally or geographically, is when I work with teams. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I'm working one-to-one, you can usually transcend all the cultural issues. But working with teams is where it can really show, particularly if there is a, a very um, unsafe um, environment from psychological safety and also if it's very hierarchical, then you're simply just not going to get the kind of dialogue. Yeah. So I think more broadly culture is about you know that's what culture is a shorthand for culture is um, what gets valued and rewarded around here um, whether it's in your society or your organization or your team or or whatever. and I think it's really important to identify the elements of culture like what is driving things that are valued, and not with a view to judge them, but just with a view to be aware of it, because yeah. you don't want to be like, um, you know, the fish swimming in the river and not realizing that the fish is surrounded by water. <laughs> so I just want to be able to name the water yeah. that's around and how it might be
0: influencing me, that makes sense. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, my next question is about the young leaders. You know, the, And I've often said I'm from the boomers generation. But I've often said that the young leaders, the millennials and the Gen Z leaders who are now reaching positions of authority uh, in different organizations are bringing in a breath of fresh air and very, very new and different perspectives than people from my generation did. My question to you is what, in your view, are some of the areas these young leaders need to be coached in?
1: Oh, sure. That's a great question too. So I think, you know, millennials are already there in terms of senior positions and Gen Z is just starting to take its place. It's certainly there with startups and founders and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it, you know, it's hard to generalize about uh, an entire cohort like that. But I I think the one thing is Gen Z, just because by definition, they're the youngest Mm -hmm. uh, of the generations that um, it's all about development at that point in time. So it's how how can you best develop yourself? What is the next best skill that you need to acquire? what's the next best character strength or personal value that you need to work on? What's the next thing that will help you most because it's all it's a wide open space so it's it's like don't be random about it. try and be deliberate about how you're developed. For others, the way I approach any kind of coaching engagement is really to ask people to paint a picture of what their ideal situation would be. So if you were a 10 out of 10, what would this look like? Can Mm. you paint it in as kind of rich a tapestry as possible? Can you tell me what you'd be doing, what people would be saying about you, what you'd be feeling? And that's the goal. And then we work towards that goal. So that's kind of a that's my North Star. So it doesn't matter what generation you're from, that's kind of the, the, the primary approach.
0: Well said, thank you. So David, let's talk now about your book, Real-Time Leadership. Uh, before I ask you any question, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Mr. David Noble's book, Real-Time Leadership, I will go and check it out myself. So tell me a little bit about your book. And what was your hypothesis when you decided to write it?
1: Oh, sure. So um, my co-author, Carol Kaufman, and I, we do a lot of two-on-one coaching, which is a little bit groundbreaking because the whole notion of coaching has been one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting. When I was a strategist and I was working with CEOs, I would never go to a CEO and say, I can solve all of your problems. I'd have a fleet of partners <laughs> that I would bring with me. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with sort of the intensity of the emotional engagement and attachment with um with a client, but you can, in some cases, complement that. So Carol and I have very different backgrounds. I came from the world of business. She came from the world of psychology, uh, very different personalities and sort of um, aligned insights. Mm -hmm. So when we work with someone, it's basically about how can you make sure that you just don't miss anything? So there are times where I could be speechless by a particularly challenging client, Carol will have something to say, and also the reverse. So what? when we were working together, we found, I mentioned before, technical eclecticism. So we started to map out all the different frameworks that yeah. we use, and they're all evidence-based frameworks from neuroscience and psychology to um, corporate and military strategy to all kinds of things. And we basically mapped out all the frameworks, we found we had 150 frameworks or something that we would apply in our day to day work. And then what we wanted to do was to distill those down into, again, evidence based into very practical guidance of what we thought made great leaders extraordinary. And that's how we came up with our framework around peak leadership. Mm
0: -hmm. And how do you define a real time leader?
1: Sure. So there's, um, we have an acronym because being in America, one has to have an acronym for a book. So it's called MOVE, M O V E. So for us, it's about being crystal clear on your goals. That's the starting point. So M is for being mindfully alert um, to your goals. Mm-hmm. And it's mindful is about understanding, noticing what's happening outside you, noticing what's happening inside you, mm. noticing what's happening between you and others. And accepting that in a non judgmental way and then moving towards your goals. Mm. So, for us, it's being mindfully alert to what I call the three dimensions of leadership the mm. external, which is what do I need to get done? What financial target do I need to hit? What decision do I need to make? Whatever. Mm. Who do I want to be as a person, kinder, uh, more patient, a listener, whatever. Mm. And then, how best can I relate to others? So, being crystal clear on those goals is really important because just naming that can actually help you be a more effective leader. Mm. Second is is o which is options generation. So mm. once you're quite clear on what you want to accomplish mm. in those three dimensions, options are about how do we get there? Right. And when you think about it, given all the curveballs and obstacles that leaders face these days, you know, most good leaders can identify a pathway to a win. But you need more than that these days. You need a backup plan. You need a backup to a backup and, and so on. So what we want, and, and we show you very practically how to do this, is to have at least four ways to win for right. anything. So we call that way power. We all okay. know what willpower is, okay. but way power is having several possible viable pathways forward. Right. So yeah. that also increases your chance of success. Yeah. So once you got that, you know what you want to do, how you're going to get there, Before you do anything, you need to just check reality. So that's V, which is validate your vantage point. Mm -hmm. So shorthand is that we all distort reality and that can be bad for us and bad for our people, bad for our organization. So how do you make sure that you're not exaggerating or discounting threats or opportunities Mm -hmm. that are right in front of you? And how do you know that you're not just completely missing the point? So there's ways to kind of step into that to validate your vantage point to make sure that you're making the most of every moment and working on the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then the last is how do you, how do you take all that and engage and affect change at scale as Mm -hmm. a leader? So Mm -hmm. for that it's, there's a, a, an approach which is a little bit based on military theory and also design thinking, but it's about how do you send the right leadership signals out Mm -hmm. to reflect your goals or the goals that you've co-created with your organization. And then how do you make sure those leadership signals that have been sent are the ones that they received? Right. And then how do you update those leadership signals as you start to learn both outside your organization and the operating environment mm-hmm. and, and inside your organization as things change? How do you refine your leadership signals? So that's that's it in a nutshell. There's a lot of
0: content, I'm so sure. that's, no, that's I'm, gonna, I'm certainly <laughs> going to check out the book and and uh, it must be available on Amazon, so I'll go and check it out. It but is, I have time for yeah. one more question now, uh, David, and this is for Mm -hmm. 1000s of people who will listen to our conversation, based on your own amazing journey, and then, uh, you know, working now as a coach, as an author, such so much knowledge about leadership. What would you say are three lessons, you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation? Thank you. That's that's another good question.
1: I think that, you know, first is this notion of real-time leadership, which is about making every moment count. I think yeah. I would urge everyone to, you know, be mindful and make every moment of your life count because um, we don't have that many moments on cutting. this earth. Second thing is, which which comes out in the book, but we haven't talked about it um, yet on the podcast, is that you can actually, you know, change is hard, but there are some times where you can make a very small shift in your leadership that has a disproportionately positive outcome, that's really game changing. And that's what we want to look for. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing, which is really underlies everything that Carol and I do is Mm -hmm. that um, if we've only succeeded in helping you become a better, a more effective leader, Mm -hmm. um, we fail. We also want you to become a better and more fulfilled person. And that's not on our terms, that's on our client's terms and we want everybody to sort of aspire to be better people mm. as well as more effective leaders so
0: those are i think those are the top 3 wonderful and on that note uh, david and your three amazing lessons you know so important to uh, make sure that you make every moment count uh, that's very important second you said was change is hard but small things can have a disproportionately high mm. kind of uh, and an impact. And as you were talking, it reminded me of that old phrase. Um, I'm not sure whether it was Archimedes or whoever said that, but give me a lever and I can move the world. Uh, <laughs> and the third one, which was so amazing was that not only should you, you need to be a better and effective leader, but also be a better person. Thank you so much, David, for speaking to me about uh, your own journey. Thank you for talking to me about coaching, so many different aspects of coaching. Uh, thank you for talking to me about the three dimensions of leadership. And thank you for talking to me about your book, uh, Real-Time Leadership. Thank you again, and good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you, It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.